will we choose to trust and obey and rely on him or will we trust and rely in ourselves? Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor Podcast features Sunday sermons. To hear this live and before subscribers do, join us in Rockport, Maine on Sunday mornings at 10 for worship and before that at 845 for prayer service. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. If you're visiting with us today, we're so glad you're here. Obviously, saw a lot of new faces here today, and uh, we're just pumped that you guys would come hang out with us. So um, let, let me maybe say this before we dive in today. I have a lot that I want to say today. It's kind of buckle up. And uh, at the same time, and I, this is like one of those days where I got like an hour and I wish I had two. So anyways, there's all kinds of thoughts kind of rolling around in there, and we're just going to sling them, see how they go, uh, you know, reach out and grab what you can grab. But I, but I am going to ask this. I'm going to teach for a minute, and uh, at the end, if, you know, it depends on where the anointing's at. Uh, I want us to go, I want us to kind of go for broke. I want us to go all in and see what Jesus will do, because I believe, I believe God wants to do something incredible today, but I want you to know today that depends on our response to Him. If we've come to check a box and do church, nothing will happen. If we've come to encounter God, something pretty cool will happen. So if you can, just stir your heart, plain and simple, stir your heart, have some faith, and let's believe that God will do something great. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Lord, we haven't come here today to play church. God, we haven't come uh, today just to, to hang out with some friends, even though all that stuff's great. Lord, we've come to encounter you. And so, Lord, today, we just pray that you would begin to walk through the aisles in this room, Lord. In fact, walls that have been built up, Lord, we pray that you would walk through those walls. And, Lord, we pray today that we would have an encounter with you today. Father, we're not uh, coming here necessarily with some expectation other than just to meet you. And so, Father, thank you for the anointing in the house today. Thank you for faith. Thank you for the spirit. Thank you for touching us and moving as only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you've uh, been hanging out with us past few weeks, you know we've been talking about uh, the fullness of God's grace. And uh, in doing so, what we've done the past two weeks is we've basically taken uh, four expressions of God's grace and we've kind of broke those things down. And so, uh, real quick, for you guys who haven't been here, real quick, refresh your course. Here we go. So, the, the first expression that you and I uh, receive as Christians from God is basically this it's His saving grace. This is how God introduces Himself to us as our rescuer, you know, as our savior. This is how he saves us, right? And how many of you guys know that we don't deserve that? Can I get an amen? So the second way that you and I experience God's grace is through what is called the enabling grace. This is where God comes and he helps us overcome any sin that might be in our life. Because how many of you guys know that uh, even though he takes us out of Egypt, then he's got to get Egypt out of us, right? So, so, and also what happens there is this, is that God reaches down in our hearts. It's not just all about sin, but it's also this. Uh, it's hard to live this life without being broken at some point. It's hard to go through this life without getting hurt at some point. Is that right and so that's what happens God's enabling grace comes and deals with our sins but also heals us from our wounds the the third expression of grace that you and I experience is through gifts God literally comes and and he handpicks uh, what the Bible calls grace gifts and these grace grace gifts are for us not only to serve one another but also to fulfill his purpose and his destiny for our lives I know I'm going fast so reach out there and grab it the the fourth one is this the fourth expression is called the anointing 
anointing. Man, I love the anointing of God, right? This is where God supernaturally flows through us by deploying the gifts that he has given us, right? In other words, God goes, I put that in you, and you're living your life, and hit a moment, he goes, now I want to tap in that and use that. And so he anoints you, and his power begins to move, and you begin to fulfill his purposes on this planet. Y'all know that's true. So listen, if I could take, uh, you, you know, those four expressions and maybe, uh, maybe even better, if I could sum up God's heart towards us in those four expressions, it would be this verse right here. This thing's been rolling this week. It's Romans 8.32. It says, he, talking about God the Father, who did not spare even his own son, says, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, along with Jesus, watch this, graciously and freely give us all things? Isn't that good news? Listen, if I could take uh, that verse up another notch, I would say this. That as you and I read the Bible, we find that all throughout the Bible, God has already promised us thousands of things. There's thousands of promises God has offered us. It's literally, it depends on who's counting, it could be 3,000 to 5,000 promises. Not too shabby, right? And so, listen, each one of those promises are like the four expressions that we previously mentioned. And the, and the reason is this. is because they all come from, uh, are all motivated from God's kindness and God's grace towards us. Okay? Also, they're like the four expressions in this, is that he desires to release all of them to us. That's good news, right? So, so listen, if you miss this, you're going to miss all of today. Okay? So, grab a hold of this. That... All of that we believe is true. It's 100% true. But, you know, it's the fact that, yes, that God desires to freely and graciously give us all these things. But guess what? There's something that's still required from us for us to receive those things. And that one thing is simply called this. It's called faith. It's called faith, right? And uh, this truth can be clearly seen. Now, now, listen, I understand that God does things out of his mercy a lot, okay? But, but I want you to see this here in Romans chapter 4, verse 16. It says, therefore, inheriting the promise. What's the next word? Depends. Come on, say it like you mean it today. Depends. Depends. Some of y'all have no hand. All right. Some of y'all have, what in the world do we get ourselves into? L- l- listen. Therefore, inheriting the promise depends entirely on faith. Can't get any more clear than that, can it? It says, that is, what's faith? Confident trust in the unseen God. In order that it may be given as an act of grace, his unmerited favor and mercy. Listen, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down, all right? But, but listen, we access God's grace and his promises by our faith. We access God's grace and his promises by our faith. Yeah. Now let me make this really simple here. Um, as an example, we've read this verse the past two weeks. It's very common. If you're a Christian, you've heard this verse. There's no telling how many times. But, but I want us to think about God's saving grace for a moment, okay? Paul said this in Ephesians 2 eight. We're talking about access here. Faith, access, grace. It says, for by grace... You have been saved through faith. Now, let's make this a little bit more personal, okay? The Bible says that in God's foreknowledge, he knew that Adam and Eve were going to sin, okay? If that's kind of hard to believe, just remember this verse. The Bible says that the, that the Lamb of God, Jesus, was slain before the foundations of the earth, okay? So he knew. He had a foreknowledge. He knew that Adam and Eve were going to sin, and he also knew that when Adam and Eve sinned, it was going to plunge the rest of us 
humankind, all of us, into basically this, this state of separation from him. Now, what's so awesome about God is he didn't leave us and go, well, you blew it, you messed up, and, and now you got to live for eternity without any hope of redemption, right? Uh, thankfully, he sent his son because he loved us unconditionally to die on the cross for us. We all know as our substitute, right? And uh, we know that by Jesus' death, he paid the necessary price for you and I, right? So watch this. When he died, he ultimately provided an opportunity for you and I to be reconciled to God. Key word, opportunity, okay? Now, let me ask you a question. When we were born physically, all right, so throw your birthday in there. For me, it's July the 17th, 1978 at 4.30 in the afternoon, I entered this glorious world, right? So, so whatever day you got there, okay? So actually, whenever you're physically born, was God's saving grace available for you to receive it in that moment? The answer is absolutely. And here's why. Because the work had already been done, right? But, but listen, the reality was it wasn't until you and I, somewhere along the way, maybe it was three days ago, maybe it was 30 years ago, but somewhere along the way, it wasn't until we heard the gospel and we responded to the gospel in faith, did, did what all of Jesus did for us to his death, burial, and resurrection, did that really come available to us? In other words, it wasn't until we reached out in faith where we actually saved so, so think about that for a moment. When you and I decided by faith to confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts, literally in an instant, God's saving grace was released and you and I became born again and you and I became a new creation in Christ as if we never sinned a day in our life. Good day, right? So, so listen, I know I'm kind of saying this. I know you're smart and you're getting the point, but, but in spite of what Jesus had already accomplished in spite of what he had already provided for us. It wasn't until our faith responded. In other words, our faith was needed to access the saving grace. Is that true? Okay, so let me give you a thought here. I'm saying all that to say this. If, if we're very clear on that fact, in other words, that, it, that, uh, that God's saving grace or that expression of grace required faith... Uh, would it not also make sense that the other three out of those four expressions also need faith as well? Without a doubt, okay? So, so think about this for a minute. This must mean that faith is what activates God's enabling grace, right, that has the ability to break the power of sin, break the power of addiction, break the power of bondage in our lives, right? It, it must mean that faith is what really activates God's enabling grace has the ability to bind up and heal every what? Every broken part of our hearts, right? Every wound. It also means that, that faith is what activates, and watch this, please, reveals and matures the God's supernatural grace gifts in our lives. And it also means that faith, once again, not beating a dead horse, trying to get a point across, that faith activates what? God's touch and God's power or his anointing on those grace gifts so they can be effective. Now watch this. If that's true, and I want to talk to some people today, if that's true, then the opposite is true as well. Watch this then that must mean that if we don't have faith that God can destroy the power of sin in our lives, it won't. Hey, y'all, can I, can I, I'm going to get salty on you here. Okay, you ready? I've been salty lately. It's, it's been some. But, but listen, it's like, it's like so many people in the church don't believe God. They don't have faith. And so what we've done when it comes to sin, we've conveniently changed the gospel. Because we don't have faith. And so what happens is, is we try to somehow make God's word fit us. And we go, well, God must love us unconditionally. And so he's okay with what we do so we can sin. No, no, that's a lack of faith. Because it's a lack of you don't, they basically, they don't understand God's grace. Right? 
Listen, we could also say that if we don't have faith that God's grace can heal us from our past hurts, guess what will happen? We will remain wounded and we will remain broken. Right, And that's why so many Christians have uh, somehow identified themselves more with their brokenness than they have with becoming a new creation in Christ. Right. Thirdly, listen, if we don't have faith that God actually gives us supernatural gifts, guess what? We'll never discover them, much less develop and walk in them. And if we don't have faith that God will anoint us, then guess what happens? We will ultimately build a dam in our spirit that will literally hinder the anointing of God from flowing through us. Yes? Everybody look at me, please. God doesn't just anoint special people. He anoints all of us, right? And so what happens is, is the church has sat back and said, well, and acted like, well, this is the anointed man of God. We're all anointed men and women of God. Amen? Once again, it's faith. We got to believe it. So let me give you a thought here. Um, I was thinking about that list. I said, okay, God, how can I make this kind of personal? All right, how can I make it real? Um, Years ago, and I think, I don't know, about six, seven years ago, I, I, I hit this, like, this rough spot. I was struggling. Not, not, with, not with Jesus, not with sin. I, I, was, I was struggling with this. Is I, I was struggling. Um, best way I can say it's because I began to focus more on my feelings than anything else. And, and so when I would minister, I was focused on if I felt anointed or not. And somehow if I felt it, it would mean that I was successful. If I didn't feel it, it meant I wasn't successful. Uh, you, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So in the, in the middle of that, uh, we ended up in one of our youth camps. And youth camps are incredible. I love them. But the first night, because, you know, basically the preacher preached, it's time to pray for kids. We're laying hands on kids. And I didn't feel anointed. So I didn't really expect anything to happen. So you know what happened? Not much, right? And so, you know, listen, when you've, when you've been there and you know what it's like to operate in the anointing of God and then you're not, something's wrong and you know something's off. And so I had to swallow my pride. I went to one of my minister buddies and said, hey, look, man, here's what's going on. You got any thoughts? And so I asked him all these questions and he basically just said this. Look, Quentin, all I can tell you is, is when I pray for somebody, I believe God's going to move. Amen. Fair enough, man. The next night, guess what? The same worship team led worship. The same preacher preached, right? The same people came to the altar. Guess what? Uh, I had the same prayer life I had the day before. I had the same knowledge I had from the word before. I, I say all that to simply say this. It's because, it's because uh, the circumstance hadn't changed. This is key, okay? No, in other words, the, it was still youth camp, right? It was still the same people involved. And guess what? Uh, me, I hadn't really changed. It wasn't like I had some dramatic altar moment and God broke a bunch of stuff off my life. I was the same fella. Except this night, what happened was, is I went and I said, okay, we're going to pray for people. And, uh, and I said, you know what? I'm just going to believe God's going to move. So you guess what happened? Guess what? I didn't feel a single thing, but the power of God dropped like a bomb and was hitting folks. The only thing I can say is, what was the difference? Faith. It's Faith. Are y'all with me today? All right, so look, I realize that somebody is probably sitting here going, hey man, I think you're making too big a deal out of that. You're making it bigger than it needs to be. So I'm gonna show you a verse, okay? Uh, I I love folks that think that way, it's good. I like critical thinking. So Hebrews 3 says this. says the same people, it's talking about the Israelites, who were delivered from bondage and brought out of Egypt were the ones who heard. What did they hear? They heard the promises of God. Watch this, and they still rebelled. Now, watch this. How did they rebel? Watch verse 17. It's key. They grieved God for 40 years by sinning in their unbelief. 
Everybody look at me. I'm going to get country. They weren't drinking. They weren't smoking. They weren't chewing dip. They weren't hanging out with women that do. They weren't, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, are y'all with me? They weren't in some, they weren't looking at pornography. They weren't in adultery. They weren't in all these things we focus on. They grieved the heart of God because they did not believe. Yeah? Watch this. It says, verse 18, so God swore an oath that they would never enter. What? Into what he promised. Then it says in verse 19, it is clear that they could not enter into their inheritance. That's the promises of God because they wrapped their hearts in unbelief. Now, what's this have to do with us? That, that, that right there, verse 19, is the end of chapter 3. It rolls into chapter 4. Look at verse 1 in chapter 4. He goes from Israelites to us. Now, God has offered to us the same promise of entering into his realm of resting in what? Confident faith. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it. Do you get that? God wants us to experience the fullness of his promises. Are y'all with me today? It says in verse 2, it says, For we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did, yet they didn't join their faith with the word. Instead, what they heard didn't affect them deeply, for they doubted. Watch this, verse 3. For those of us who believe, faith activates the promise. Y'all listen, I like it when the Bible makes it clear. And it can't get any more clearer than that, right? So, so listen, I know this question I'm about to ask you isn't an easy question to answer. But I want us to ask ourselves today, you know, have we ever thought about how much, have we ever thought about what uh, unbelief has robbed us in our lives? Man, that's a humbling thought, isn't it? Man, listen, listen, I have, I have followed Jesus for a little over 20 years now wholeheartedly, and I can tell you that there's things that I know that I have robbed myself from the promises of God because I didn't believe, because I was afraid, didn't have courage, right? Or, or this, or I, or I depended too much on my feelings, my emotions. I, I looked at too much what I saw and let that determine things instead of really remembering, guess what, that we live by faith, not by sight. Right? Not by feelings, not by emotions, but just, you know, plain and simple, that I've let the fact that I haven't believed the word rob me. Am I the only one? So, so listen, just a thought, just out of curiosity, I just want to know, man, if I'm the only one that is sick and tired of allowing unbelief rob us of the fullness of God's grace and the fullness of God's blessings in our lives, I don't think I'm the only one. Okay? But, but, but listen, listen, church. Somewhere in there, we got to go, do we believe the word or not? And we got to get ticked off enough to say, man, I'm, I'm tired of just being a doormat to the devil. And, and I'm going to start standing on the word of God, and I'm going to believe it. Yes? So, so listen, it's like far too long, man, the enemy has robbed us of our freedom, robbed us of our healing, robbed us of our identity, robbed us of our authority, robbed us of our purpose. And I'll say this, that, that we have let the enemy and our circumstances rob us of a great adventure with God. Man, listen, listen, let me maybe say this. There, there's, there's more to life than swinging a hammer. Okay? There's more to life than showing up and, and, and counting numbers. Okay? Whatever you do, there's more to life than what we do to pay the bills. Man, God has an adventure for us if we're willing to partner with him. Amen? So what kind of faith is God looking for? Okay? 
Now, now understand this, that I think God knows our um, struggles. And I think that's why the word says again and again and again, uh, you know, it says it in Habakkuk, it says it in uh, Romans, says it in Hebrews. So it's kind of a repeated thing. God says that the just, those who have been justified, those who have been forgiven, those who have experienced the saving grace, that we are called to what? To live continuously by faith. So do you understand that? That literally consistency in your life is key. Consistency of living by faith. Amen. So what's faith? Here we go. Biblical faith is this, and I'll say this, and then I'll try to break it down a little bit better. So it's a conviction. It's a belief, right? It's a trust. It's a confidence. It's assurance. And it's a reliance in God and all that he says. It's a reliance in God and all that he says. If I could put that in another way, let me just say this. Faith is simply this. It's trusting that God is who he says he is and that he'll do what he said he'll do. Faith is, right, simply trusting God is who he says he is and that he'll do what he said he'll do. You you know, listen, a a key verse when it comes to faith, and everybody always wants to go to the faith chapter, and so I'm going to go there now, right? Hebrews 11, 6, it simply says this, For without faith it is impossible to please God, for if anyone comes to God, they must first believe that he is, what, a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But but read it again. It says, says, it's not up there, by the way. I didn't give it to those guys. I'm just quoting here. So, So Hebrews 11, 6, that... For without faith, it's impossible to please God. The word please doesn't mean, oh, I'm pleased with you. Oh, Terry, you're doing a good job. Oh, that's not what it means. The word please there actually means it's impossible to be in agreement with God. It's impossible to walk with God unless you have faith. Okay, that's what the the Greek word means there. And so, once again, for without faith, it's impossible to please God. For if anyone comes to God, must first believe that he is, that he is what? That he is who he says he is, and that he'll do what he said he'll do. It's that simple, amen? All right, so let me maybe say this, because I've been doing this a long time, and, and I've met a lot of people that can talk faith, but they don't live faith. True, right? And, and, and listen, we've all done it. I've done it. I've done it, right? Somebody steps up, says something, you, bless God, I got to look spiritual in this moment. Yes, brother. Quote a verse, Right? So, so but, but listen, faith is more than us simply saying we believe. Real faith, watch this, always produces a corresponding action. Real faith always produces corresponding action. Let me maybe say it like this. Don't say you believe in prayer and don't pray. Don't say you believe the word and you don't read the word, right? Don't say you think God's incredible and you don't worship, Right? Listen, if we talked about faith here, if I said simply this, I'm breaking it down really simple. If I said, the building's on fire, and you believe that, what are you going to do? You're going to get out the building. Right? Corresponding action. <laughs> right there. Right? So, so listen, let me give you another thing, because I think this is the way we tend to do it in the church. Um, I recently read this story about this guy that was a tightrope walker, talking about needing a new profession. All right? <laughs> Lord Jesus, help me. Anyways, so, so this guy, he, he literally uh, walked on the tightrope, uh, you, you know, not across the ditch, but across Niagara Falls. That man's stupid. That's all I'm going to say. But, but listen, uh, once, he, once he got over, right, once he did his thing, right, and he got over the, the falls, everybody was cheering, wah! And he turns to the crowd and he says this. He says, do you guys think I could push a wheelbarrow over? 
they immediately say, yes, right? And then he turns and goes, and he says this, uh, well, for me to do so, I'm going to need someone to volunteer to sit in it. <laughs> do you think anybody volunteered? <laughs> no, you know, lost your mind. No, right? So, so here, here's the point. Is, is there's a big difference between words, yeah, and action. Let me get up in. Big difference, right? Listen, when it came to this people group, their words lacked, watch this, their words lacked follow through. Their belief lacked action. And so there wasn't real faith. That's why James, the book of James tells us this, says, uh, faith without works is dead. Let me say it a different way. That faith without follow through is useless. Amen? So listen, actually, this is kind of funny. I, I'm just, once again, I'm slinging stuff at the wall today. But, but um, I, I was talking to Pastor Tommy the other day, and some of you guys know Pastor Tommy. And he and I were talking about this because <clears throat> we talk several times a week. And uh, anyway, so we were chit-chatting, and he told me about this lady uh, that he knows that, that began to pray uh, for a grace gift. She began to pray out of Corinthians chapter 12 because, because Paul said, right, to, to earnestly desire and to pursue the spiritual gifts. So she began to pray and ask God, God, will you please give me a gift of healing? Will you please give me a gift of healing? Father, will you give me the anointing to pray for the sick? God, would you give me a gift of healing? And she prayed this for months and months and months and months. And one day the Lord interrupted her, and this is so funny. He said this. He called her by name, and he said, look, when you are willing to go where there's sick people, where they're at, and when you're willing to go pray for them, I'll give you what you're asking for. See, it's kind of like this. So often it's like, man, uh, let me talk to some, some folks here for a second. It's kind of like this. God bless us financially, but you refuse to work. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm just like this. What Bible y'all reading? Right? What, what Bible? Just spend you a month in Proverbs. It'll get you worked out. Right? Anyway, so, but, but it's this. It's like our faith-filled actions give God something to work with. Our faith-filled actions give God something to work with. Okay? So what kind of action is God looking for? And I know, I know this may um, seem a little strange, but it's all right. So, so listen, when, when I think about what God wants from us, um, I tend to think about my kids. And, and, you know, I'll say this. I got four of those, four of them. And, uh, and uh, two of them are still small, still small enough to do this with. The other two would really hurt me. All right, so I don't do it anymore with two of them. But anyway, so at some point in their life, all four of these guys have stood on a counter. They've stood on a rock. They've stood on a step. They've stood on a porch. They've stood on anything they can find that's high. And they've looked, off, looked out at me and they've thrown their arms up and they said, Daddy, catch me. Right? And y'all's kids ever did that? Right? And there's this big old smile on their face and they're pumped. Right? And so listen, in that moment when our kids are saying, Dad, catch me, uh, you know, they're not saying this. Well, Dad, you know, um, you know, I trust that you could catch me. <laughs> you could. Okay? It, it, it's, it's like, the, no, no it's, they're so confident and they're so full of faith that when they jump, guess what? They know that I'm going to catch them. The good news is, is I, I, my oldest is 12 years old. I haven't dropped a kid yet. So that's good. <laughs> but, but, but listen, so what happens? Because they have faith. They do what? They jump. Right? And so, and so listen, God wants us to have that kind of faith. Listen, that we go all in. Yeah. You, you know, listen, it's tiring being 40% in. It's tiring. 
okay? It's tired of being 60% in. It gets tired going 80% in. Man, listen, God wants to know, can you go all in with me? Yes? And it's this. We go all in because we simply know, once again, who he is and what he is capable of doing. Amen? All right, so let's be clear about something. Um, over the years, I, I've heard people say, uh, well, we just got to take a leap of blind faith. That's wrong. Okay, that's wrong. And, and I want to say this. Now, while faith certainly dares us to, uh, to go beyond what we see with our natural eyes, and there's definitely, anytime you're going to walk in faith, there's risk involved because faith will constantly pull you out of your comfort zone. There's no real such thing as, quote, unquote, taking a leap of blind faith. Now, once again, this may be a little odd, and I hope it works. It may not work, but, but let's say this. Let's say that um, whatever, tomorrow, that every single one of us uh, have been told to report to the courthouse at 9 o'clock in the morning for jury duty. See how everybody got so excited right there? <laughs> Does anybody like jury duty? Man, bless y'all. All right, there's like five of y'all. Man, y'all need to change y'all's name to Quentin Self. All right, and I'll be like, there you go. All right, so anyways, so, so listen, so all of us promptly show up at 9.30 at the courthouse in the morning. Uh, the, the courthouse staff, they, they uh, you know, immediately, you know, at 9.30 proceed to interview each every one of us until they basically uh, whittle us down to there's 15 of us remaining, right? And so they come in the room, and I've been there, man, and I almost dance. But, but when they tell us fortunate ones, man, you can go. Yeah. Oh, man. I, side note, I'm sorry. I've only been called to jury duty one time. And I'll tell you what, that $12 a day does not look that great, right? So I only went, I showed up. There was, I don't know, about 80 other people in the room. And, uh, and they, they dismissed 40 people after like three, four hours. I'm thinking, how long does it take to whittle it? That's a long time to figure out. Anyways, whatever. Side the point. It's our money. But uh, anyways, so, so they literally called... One, two, three, four, 20, 30. And I was going, oh, God, oh, God, please. I was the 40th person that was called. Y'all, I could have did a praise dance out of that place. Anyways, all right, so, all right, let's get back on track. Anyway, so watch this. So they, they interview all of us. They basically will us down to 15, and they dismiss everybody else. And then they tell the 15 of us that are remaining in the room, hey, look, we need you to report back next Monday, and you're going to basically be on the jury to hear a murder, murder trial that could last for a few weeks, right? So sure enough, what happens, just like we're told, we all hop in there and, uh, you know, we come back the next Monday and, and y'all know how it works. Y'all have seen Perry Mason, right? That, that literally, that, that every little, little detail is basically thoroughly, they go over it and over and over and multiple times to make sure nothing's missed. And so after this back and forth thing, after the lawyers have absolutely exhausted every piece of their case, finally the judge, what did he, what did he do? He looks over at us and he tells us it's time for us, the people of Maine, right? to decide a verdict, is this fella, is this gal guilty or not guilty, right? So watch this, here's the point, is even though we, us 15, we were not there at the time that that crime was committed, we've had the opportunity for weeks to hear and even see the evidence that surrounds the case. And because of that, the judge expects us from a position of faith in the evidence to come to a conclusion, I'm making sense to you. So, great and natural example. Now, what does that mean for us in the spiritual example? The Bible says this in Hebrews 11. It says, faith is the evidence of things we cannot see. 
Watch this. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. Now, obviously, the key word here is evidence. But so listen, if we realize it or not today, gang, God has given us every piece of evidence we will ever need throughout the Bible. Right? While we might have not been there when it happened, we might not have been there when it was written. Guess what? He has clearly, for lack of better words, pleaded his case. And listen, he has clearly told us about his nature, his character, his ways. He has demonstrated his faithfulness and his love to us again and again. He has said, guess what? That we can know his voice. And he has plainly told us that his heart towards us is good. And he even tells us what he expects from us. So as you can see, guess what? Everybody looking here. With, with all of that, guess what? Can we really say that this relying on him is really considered blind faith? No. Only if you don't read the book. Yeah. <laughs> right? And people who don't read the book typically get it wrong. Okay? They do. And, and so listen, it basically boils down to this. When we're talking about all this, will we choose to trust and obey and rely on him or will we trust and rely in ourselves? That's where it's at. Can I give you a side note? Watch this. Three weeks ago, we talked about the glory of God, right? Talked about the glory of God coming, residing, that we, we need to be people that, once again, that um, go get it, right? That they begin to seek and pursue the glory of God again. Uh, so when you look at the Hebrew words, and, and I hope this makes sense, y'all, but, but the word for glory is the word kabod, Okay? Watch this. And the word for the glory has departed is Ichabod. The only difference in the spelling of the two words is one letter. Ichabod starts with a I. And all I can tell you is this, is that when we focus on I, the glory departs. Okay? And, and basically that when we focus on him and we make him big and we have faith in him, the glory comes. Amen? So when it comes to faith... Let me just say this, back on track here. Augustine might have said it best when he said this. Think about this whole blind faith deal. That God does not expect us to submit our faith to him without reason. That's why he gave us the book. But the very limits of our reason make faith a necessity. I'll read it one more time. God does not expect us to submit our faith to him without reason but the very limits of our reason, of our understanding, our knowledge make faith a necessity. All right, so let me say something that, um, yeah. Um, we've all heard the scripture, Romans 10, 17, for faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you've heard that, wave your hand at me, please. All right, awesome, most of us in the room. The written word is what theologians consider the logos, the written word. A revelation is what they consider a rhema word, a living word. And, and I just want to suggest to you today when it comes to the subject of faith that I think it's time that we begin to read and read and read and read the logos, God's written word, until it becomes a rhema, living word in our spirit that we can anchor our lives into for whatever situation, good or bad, that we will ever face in this life. Yes? And, and listen, if I could say it this way, I think the reason is, is because real faith requires revelation, not an education. Real faith requires revelation, not an education. So listen, one of my prayers for our church is this, is that basically our knowledge of God's word would match our experience in God's word. 
So, so watch this. It's easy to say, well, he's Jehovah Rapha from an education standpoint. He's a healer. What happens if I've never experienced healing? Right? If I say he's my provider and I've never experienced his provision, right? If, if we say that he's whatever, just go down the list. There's tons, right? Y'all get what I'm saying? So, so listen, we, need, we don't need an education. Sometimes our education gets in the way. Now, listen, I believe in education. I have an education. I believe in it. But, but listen, but we need revelation more than that, right? And, and so, listen, this might, once again, sound rough, but it appears like so many Christians have allowed their heads, their sophisticated brains, to override their born-again spirit by believing what? In two Gospels. Y'all, please hear me today. It's like we, we've created two Gospels. In other words, it's this, that there's this Gospel with this amazing, powerful, incredible God, right, that we read about in the Old Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all the way through the early church. And we go, man, God's incredible. And, and then we have uh, this new Gospel that's being presented today uh, with this knockoff brand of Jesus. And, uh, man, he's pretty boring. He, he sleeps a lot because he's pretty inactive. And, uh, and, man, they're trying their best to get to follow that guy. Am I making sense to y'all? It, it's, it's like they've robbed him of his power. Okay? And, and all I can say is this. It's like because they've done this, they've caused the church to lose their childlike wonder and awe of who God really is, right? It's like they, they've caused us to, to do what? To shrink God down to fit our human limitations and our human uh, inabilities, right? It's really no different than when you go back and you read Numbers chapter 13 with the 12 spies. We know they, they uh, Moses sent them out. They came back, and guess what happens? They come and they report to the tribes out of fear. There's giants in the land. Oh, my gosh. And we're nothing more than grasshoppers. Y'all listen to me, please. And that report that we are nothing but grasshopper, we are small in their eyes. Not only did they make themselves small, but in the same breath they made God small. And the question is today, will we have some Joshua's and some Caleb's that will rise up and say, man, God is well and able. Amen. Can we believe again, right? Listen, just kind of the words, let me say this, and I know I said it, but man, if there's anything I'm really trying to say today is, man, can we make God big again? Can we make him big again? Can we quit suppressing him down to fit our cute little boxes? And can we believe and have faith again that he can do anything? Yes? L listen, it's in the words of the late Wendell Smith. Wendell Smith, incredible man of God. He said this. He said, he is the same. He stood up for his congregation. He said this. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. He has always been good. He is still good. He is still gracious, still loving, and still kind. He is still merciful and abounding in goodness. He still does miracles. He says, the God who does miracles in the Old Testament was manifested through Jesus Christ in the New Testament and performed great signs and wonders will do them for us. And he said, the God who anointed the apostles, the first generation church with the Holy Spirit and power and did amazing wonders through them will do wonders to us in our generation. And he said this. He said, the God who stopped the mouth of lions in Daniel's den can stop the mouth of those who speak against us. The God who delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the fiery furnace can deliver us out of our trial and temptation. The God who opened the Red Sea for Moses and caused the waters of the Jordan to stand up in a heap for Joshua can make a way for us when there seems to be no way. That the God who turned the water into wine in the wedding uh, in Canaan and Galilee can turn our crisis into a miracle. 
miracle that the God who compelled all the animals of the earth to enter the ark of Noah uh, can speak to people and draw them to our churches, our businesses, or to us personally to meet our needs. The God who filled the temple of Solomon with the cloud of his glory can fill us with the Holy Spirit and empower us to do his will. The same God who did these mighty deeds uh, can do these great things in our life as well. Yes? Watch this. Now, I love the fact that, that he stood in front of his congregation and he simply said this. He says, there is no problem he cannot solve. There is no question he cannot answer. There is no disease he cannot heal. There is no demon he cannot cast out. There is no enemy he cannot defeat. There is no difficulty he cannot overcome. There is no stronghold he cannot bring down. There is no bondage he cannot break. There is no prison he cannot open. And there is no need he cannot meet. There is no mountain he cannot move. Amen. So listen, guys, the point is, is all it takes is what? Faith. Faith is the access to heaven's resources. It's this bottom line that guess what? That the blood, the cross, the resurrection, his voice, his name hasn't lost an ounce of power. Right? There's one verse I want us to see. Throw that up there, the next one. Really, that. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt. Can we magnify the Lord? Can we make him big again? Yeah? Can we make him big? Can we make him big? Can we make him big? Listen, it's this simple fact, and you can write this down, that faith honors God. Faith honors God, and God honors faith. Faith honors God, and God honors faith. Here's what's wild, y'all, and I could, I could take too much time telling you, but there's times that I've come in here, and you guys that have been here for four years, um, you, you've seen what God has done, Okay? But there's times that I've come in this place, nobody's here. And I have prayed and I have believed God for things. And I have uh, literally, yesterday, I stood here and I declared who God is. Nobody in here, God, you are this again, right? And, and I'm sitting here by, by faith of activating what God has said. I've watched him move. Now, for you guys to come in and sit down, you're like, oh, that's a good church, it's great. No, 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 no. Four years ago, it wasn't. Right? I know that may hurt and sting to say it, but it wasn't. It wasn't. Jesus has done all of this. Right? He has. Can y'all just stand to your feet real quick? I want to see if I can make this personal. Amanda, can you come, please? If you can just close your eyes just give me a few more minutes do yourself a favor let's focus on him listen I realize in this moment we are um, once again we're melting pots people come from all kinds of churches I could care less what church you come from I care about what kingdom we're in Jesus is real. He's still on the throne. He is alive. Either we believe that or we don't. I'm going to ask you for a minute, if you can. I'm saying this really nice. I'm not trying to be mean. But if we can put our uh, glorified dignity uh, in our pocket for a minute and just have hunger and just have faith, and let's believe God wants to do something. Because, because I really feel in my heart that he wants to do something significant for us as individuals. 
And I, I, wanna, I wanna simply, with your eyes closed, you getting hungry, you focusing on God, I want you to hear something that God did in the Old Testament, I believe he wants to do it for us today in a personal way. But, but I wanna share a quick verse with you and, um, and then we're gonna reach out our faith. But, but this story comes from a combination of Ezra 3 and Zechariah 4. And the background is this, is that when Cyrus the king allowed the Jews to return to their own land, he appointed Zerubbabel, or Zerubbabel, depends on how you want to say it, to be the governor of the colony. Now, as governor, one of Zerubbabel's first responsibilities was to build the temple, okay? While that sounds like pretty easy, let's get some workers and let's do these things, let's just get this building built. Uh, due to opposition from the enemy of the Jews, the construction of that temple was stopped for 14 years. And I'm gonna say this by faith today, that I believe that there's people in here that man, you've had opposition from the enemy. Physically, emotionally, mentally, for a number of years. And some of you guys in this room, the enemy is not the devil. The enemy has been you. It's been your own decisions, your own choices. You can't get out your own way. You can't get out of God's way. And so what God was wanted to do has been stopped for 14 or whatever number of years. Now watch this. In the story, once again, we're struggling 14 years. It was until one day a prophet entered the room named Zechariah. And Zechariah received a vision from the Lord and things immediately began to change. And what happened was that Zechariah heard from the Lord and he went to Zerubbabel and, and he began to tell Zerubbabel what an angel showed him. And it says this in Zechariah 4, all eyes closed, hearts hungry. It says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Now we've heard that, we've heard that, but it's time we keep reading. Watch this. It says, who are you, O great mountain? In other words, who are you opposition that has opposed us for 14 years? It says, before Zerubbabel, watch this, before you, you shall become plain. In other words, you shall become flat. I'm here to tell you today, uh, one of the most difficult ministry opportunities I ever faced, uh, it looked hopeless. And I remember clear as a bell the morning, I know exactly where I was standing when the Lord spoke to me. He said, and I said, man, it's really difficult. That came out of my mouth. And God spoke to me and said, yeah, Quinn, but even the mountains melt like wax in his presence. And I'm here to tell you today, there's mountains in your life that you got to speak to. And when you begin to speak to them by faith, those things will become flat in Jesus' name. Now watch this. It says this, oh, great mountain, no oh, great opposition. Before Zerubbabel, you shall become plain. Put your name in there. It's going to come flat. It says, and he shall bring forth, God shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of what? Grace, grace to it. Now, what in the world am I saying today? Listen, these guys realized that it wasn't by military might, political power, or human strength, but it was by the spirit of the Lord that things were gonna be released. Now, how in the world did they release it? They said, grace, grace to it by faith. Are y'all hearing me today? So listen, maybe you're here today and it's one of the four expressions of faith. Maybe you ain't never been saved. You don't know God. You wouldn't know him if you walked in the room. You know you're a distance and you know you need him. I'm telling you today, I believe all you got to say is grace. Listen, I believe there's people here today, man, that sin has bound you. In fact, man, I, I hope you're so doggone tired of people saying that you have addict behavior. Get tired of that mess because that's not kingdom. Yeah. Hate that thing, right? 
that listen, that, that you got this thing you can't overcome and you battle, you fight, it's a mental, whatever it is. Maybe it's a physical thing. Maybe it's a hurt from when you were a kid. I, I Listen, it doesn't really matter. Grace to it in Jesus' name. Right? Listen, maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, man, I'm all in, but man, I don't have a clue what my gifts are. Grace to you in Jesus' name. God wants to reveal those things to you. You got to seek him, right? Maybe you're sitting here today and you go, God, I know you've called me for more. God, there's an anointing that you have for my life. Grace to that in Jesus' name. Can y'all believe with me today? Listen, the Holy Ghost is here. Can we respond to him today? Here's what I want today. Out of your own mouth, man. Listen, you're sitting there. How many ever years? Opposition, opposition, opposition. I'm telling you, God is speaking. And all you have to do is say grace. And heaven's going to open over your life. And he's going to release something to you. But here's the thing. Y'all listen to me. Listen to me. Your little bit of faith going, grace, is not going to get the job done. I'm not trying to stir your emotions. I'm not into all that mess. I'm not into hype show. I'm into Jesus. And I know there's something about, listen, when when they walked around the walls of Jericho, they didn't go, man, they shouted and the walls came down. So listen, today, what I want you to do for your doggone self is I want you to shout grace and whatever you've been carrying, I want it to break. So listen, I don't care what position you have here. I don't care your history. I don't care if you've been a pastor. I don't care if you've been a ministry leader. I don't care if you've been here for a week. Man, listen, God wants to move. So if we can, man, let's lift up our hands to the Lord. Father, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus, by faith today, God, that you will meet us exactly where we're at. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus that things will be broken off of our lives. God, I pray today that breakthrough would come, that freedom would come, that liberty would come. God, that healing would come, that restoration would come. God, I pray today in the name of Jesus, God, that gifts would be released, that anointings would be released, that callings would be received. Today, God, I pray in Jesus' name, whatever it is, God, we're asking that which is impossible with man, which we know is possible with you, God, that you would come and move. So, man, listen, on the count of three, man, let's scream this with all we got. Yes, if it's finances, if it's peace, if it's joy, whatever it is, man, let's give it what we got. One, two, three. open God we declare today according to your word God if you did not spare your own son how much more would you know so freely give us all things so God we respond to you today by faith God, we believe, God, that which is impossible, God, is being released even now, God, in our lives. And it's coming in this realm and it's becoming possible in Jesus' name.
I'm simply asking for grace for marriages today in Jesus' name. Grace, grace, grace. kids that are running the streets and not serving you they're trying to be somebody different than who they're called to be Lord we say grace God we say grace in Jesus name yeah yeah God we speak to those prodigals tell them come on home come on in Jesus name Jesus name Jesus name Jesus name God, those financial difficulties, God, we say grace in Jesus' name. God, for us that need healing in our bodies, God, and I'm one of those, grace in Jesus' name. Grace, grace, grace. Come on, God, that every sickness would bow its knee. Every sickness would bow its knee in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here's what we're going to do. There's, uh, we have some ministers. They're going to come up here. We're just going to close with this. If you need prayer, listen. They're here to pray with you. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes we need somebody to get somebody to get in agreement with us. So they're coming. They're going to be up here. And if you need prayer, please come. We're dismissed. We love y'all. You can hang out as long as you want. Uh, but just if you leave, leave in a good, solemn spirit. Let's keep the anointing here. Amen. Love y'all. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.